Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I am John Ledyard from PewterReport.com. With me today on the show is the one and only, the illustrious, the affable Scott Reynolds on the show today to talk about the Bucks against the Texans. Is it the rare preseason game that might actually matter in the end. We'll discuss that. It's so going to matter for that guy right there on the screen, That's John. Right. Oh, Jay Howard. You're right about that, Scott. He is probably that the game's probably more important for OJ Howard than any other player on the Bucks yeah. offense, I would say, at this point. Not in terms of well, not in terms of making the roster, but in terms of right. what can happen this season. What's the ceiling here? What's is this guy going to get right before the regular season rolls around? Or is he going to be playing catch up when they hit week one? There'll be a lot of that to discuss and yep. a lot of other positional matchups to watch in this game as well. For sure. And I think with OJ, it's going to come down to, is he going to be tight in three or tight in two this year behind Cam Brady? Because they know what they have in Cam. Cam has got some limitations, but he's consistent. Consistently yep. gets open, consistently catches the ball. And that's been a problem with OJ. I mean, throughout practices, throughout the games, it's been some drops. Right. And it was nice to see him end on a high note. I think he caught the last three pass attempts thrown his way, but you know, how is he, he going to fare with Tom Brady throwing the ball? How is, how is he going to fare with the starters uh, in this lineup here? Right. And blocking, too, he was not great blocking, gave up a yeah. sack, wasn't stout in the run game. This is a big year for O.J. Howard. I, I know it's it's a mental thing right now with him, but with the Achilles, he's got to get over that quickly. Yep. Otherwise, yep. it cost him a lot of money. You're absolutely right. There's no question. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about this running back. I wouldn't even say the battle between the two, but just how both guys, I think uh, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, have some important moments coming up for them. Tom Brady and the one limitation that the Bucks offense could face that I am a little bit wary of. I talked about it a little bit last year. We'll talk about it more uh, on today's show as well. Um, and just whether what we think about what needs to happen on Saturday, because there's a lot that I would like to see happen and i'm curious to see the kind of energy the bucks come into that game with energy against the texans on saturday yes energy scott do you know where they could get some if they don't have some yes i most certainly do from our great friends at celsius john i'm rocking the orange today i told everybody in the podcast yesterday I did the smart thing i went to celsius.com and i looked at all the flavors and i said which is my favorite because i like the tropical vibe i like the the fuji apple pear i love the grape but I haven't had an orange in a while because I, I just ran out. So I went to Amazon.com, clicked on the subscribe and save, and I saved oh. 5% of my order. And I've, I've got that replenishment coming now about every three weeks, which is probably not soon enough. But um, but uh, I, I've got some coming. So I had a big case ordered on Sunday. It, it came, and and uh, I've been I've been mowing through this, this orange-flavored Celsius. I like it because – it, it tastes like a soft drink, but it's it's not a soft drink. It's just an energy drink with without sugar, mm-hmm. and that means no crash. So with other energy drinks, you get that that buzz going. You wait, you wake up. The problem is a couple hours later, you you have that sugar crash. That does right. not happen with Celsius. I can't have coffee anymore, but uh, Celsius is basically. I can't have orange juice either. That's the damn thing. I like mm. those are the two big breakfast beverages. Yeah. Now for me, it's Celsius. It's the best, the best of both worlds. I get the wake up that I need, plus that orange flavor I love. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I got the Fuji Apple Pear today, and I'm loving it. It's great stuff. And if you don't know, check out the Fast Protein Bars from Celsius, too. This is the Salted Caramel Peanut Crunch. They are unbelievable. We got a box of yeah. these ones and the white chocolate cookies and yes. cream. My wife has already eaten about half of the box of these ones. I don't yeah. know if she's eating anything else these days, but she's eating these because they're so good. They are. They're good for they you. With 20 great. grams of protein. Yeah, yes. two grams of sugar in this one. And so check them out. Try them. There's a link in the YouTube description. You can place your order, get the variety pack, get two of those, um, uh, two different uh, flavors of those protein bars and make yourself healthier, man, with Celsius. It's great stuff. Yes. Now, All listen, right. we, we, we had a, a big deal yesterday, and I really want to thank Pewter Nation out there for coming through, uh, our loyal subscribers to Pewter Reports. Uh, and when I mean loyal subscribers to Pewter Report TV, I mean over 5,000 of you. Thank you so much for hitting 5,000 subscribers mm -hmm. for us yesterday. It was great. We picked up around, I think, the 20 yesterday, 12 in the, during the show that we needed to get over the 5,000 marks. That was awesome. Thank you guys mm -hmm. so much for that. So uh, I'd say, yes, we went over 5,000. Yes. It's not just John and I, it's not right. just Matt and JC. It's you guys too. This is your show just as much as it is us. Why? Cause we all love talking about the Buccaneers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And y'all have done a great job of spreading the word and getting people to subscribe. So the Thank next you. goal is 10,000. That's right. Let's get there. We're going to have a lot of opportunities to get there by the end of the year. It's going to be a great fun season covering the Bucks, obviously. So we appreciate y'all. All right, let's talk about this matchup a little bit coming in. Tony Saylor with the $5 Super Chat. We greatly appreciate that, Tony. Buck starters need at least four scoring drives against Lovey's <laughs> cover no one defense. Oh Can't my wait God. for Saturday night. Let me just pose this question back to you, Scott. What, what, what do you walk away from feeling satisfied with? I mean, we are talking about the yeah. Bucks Super Bowl favorite against the Texans. Chance right. they go 0-16. I know it's the preseason, but... I know there's not a lot of game planning, but we're still talking about a huge talent disparity that I'll talk about more in a second. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see a lot of touchdowns scored on Lovey Smith's defense. So the funny thing is, listen, this is this is just part of the job, right? I have to call it like I see it. My job is not to be friendly with anybody in the Bucks organization, although I, I have been. I've got very good relationships with with a ton of people in the organization. Mm -hmm. That's just what happens with you know when you have good credibility and you've been around for 26 years like i have right. you build those relationships and sometimes you you say things john and you report things and sometimes people block you on twitter not going to name any names <laughs> just happened, happened yesterday but that's but, never happened but if Jerome mccoy blocked us i think we're still blocked <laughs> um but i'm talking about something more recent but my my point is is with levy smith i was the first one to call for him to be fired and that happened early in his last season, which was mm. 2015, he only had two seasons. The 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 uh, infamous two and fourteen season in 2014, and then um, where they go seven and nine or some so six and ten. The next year, well, they they went on the road to Washington and they got killed by the 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 Washington football team. Back then it was the Redskins, but the Washington football team mm. and Kirk Cousins. That was the you know. You know, what do you say? You like me or whatever, whatever yeah. the catchphrase was. You like that? You like that? Yeah, exactly. Because they came roaring back in that game. The Bucks jumped out to a huge lead. But Levy Smith's predictable cover two defense um, ended up costing him big time. So I'd, I'd love to see a, a lot of a lot of um, touchdowns scored on Levy Smith's defense. Nothing personal. It's just that uh, he, he gave <laughs> right. me the, the biggest cold shoulder ever since I called him to be fired. And, and I understand that. Like, I'm, sure. I'm not upset by yeah. that. It comes yeah. with the territory. But, you know, we stuck our neck out and said, you know, sorry. Like, this, this is not going to get any better. You need to go. 
Right. And if you remember, that was like October. So yep. I had to put up with Lovey Smith for two years of glaring at me in the press conferences, not taking my questions, mm-hmm. being snide when he did. Uh, so yeah. not, my, not my favorite head coach. By the I, I was actually going to ask you not to get off on a total Lovey sidetrack here, but yeah. I, I did want to like, – of all the coaches you've covered that have coached the Bucks, they had a run there where there were some bad ones. Do you yep. think he was the worst? Yes. No, there's no doubt. No, no doubt. No yeah. doubt. Wow. And this is including Shiano. Yes. Who else? This is in, I'm forgetting others, but Raheem Morris. You Raheem know, Morris. Dirk Cutter. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, Lovey was the worst. Lovey was the worst. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting yeah. to me. I'm sure. I, I, I liked good. Raheem. Raheem was just known over his head. I, I thought yeah. I thought Raheem, like if Raheem gets a shot as, as a head coach now, I think he'll have think some, he'll some well. success. I really do. Okay. I think he's the leader of men. Um I, listen, I, I wanted Dirk because he was the natural guy to mm-hmm. replace Lovey, right? To keep that continuity with Doug Martin, with Jameis mm-hmm. Winston, keep that offense rolling. Mm-hmm. It made sense at the time. Yeah, he got his did. opportunity. It didn't work out. But but yeah, L- Lovey was the worst. And then probably Shiano after that, probably Raheem after that, mm-hmm. then Dirk, you know. Yeah. It's easy. It's it just goes. Yeah. It's easier to talk about the, about the good ones, right? I mean, you got right. only have a couple. You got uh, Nanji. You got Gruden, you got Bruce, you yeah. got uh, John McKay back in the day. That's it. Four right. good ones. <laughs> there you go. Problem solved. And, and oh, here's man. the funny thing that you'll appreciate. You can really say that about the Steelers too. They've only had like three That's really it. good coaches. <laughs> the problem is like, <laughs> like they've only had like three coaches their entire history yeah, of, the, of the franchise. So. Yeah. If you don't mess that up, you can have a lot of success. And obviously they've had, uh, but it's hard, man. It's hard to determine <laughs> yes. what makes a good head coach. Cause you're right. Dirk was the net, I think it was the right call and it was a good process to getting there. But sometimes it takes way more than just having chemistry, being a good offensive mind or something yeah. like that. Kay wants to know do you think Celsius could make Ronald Jones a top 15 <laughs> receiving back, or is that even too much for the mighty Celsius? Let's talk about Ronald Jones though for a little bit here, yeah. even though it's K jokes around here. But it's been a pretty solid summer for Ronald Jones. I mean, he's caught the ball. Better than Leonard Fournette for sure in training camp. We right. have really not seen him in the preseason when <laughs> no. he played two snaps. So yeah. we really don't have anything to go off of for Ronald Jones. And because of that, other topics have kind of risen to the surface of the conversation here. Alex Kappa, OJ Howard, you know, even you know, the quarter the backup quarterback situation, Cal Trask, Tyler Johnson, Jalen Darden. We've had a lot of those conversations, but Saturday is going to take us back to some of the conversations we had at the beginning of training camp that we've just moved on from because we don't have any sample size to evaluate some of right. those questions by. And Saturday is going to bring us back to Rojo versus Rojo versus Leonard, but we've already made it, Bruce Aaron's already made it clear. Both guys will play and it doesn't matter, you know, who starts. Uh, so I'm not even just concerned with who's going to beat out who on Saturday because I don't think that happens. But what does Rojo look like on Saturday, right? Like, is this a guy who really spent the offseason and did get better as a receiving back? Not only in terms of just catching the ball, but knowing where to be, knowing how to run routes, knowing timing, getting his head around, getting his hands up. I mean, remember how right. <laughs> Todd McNair talked to us about yeah. the fact that he literally just wouldn't lift his hands in time to catch the football. That right. was a big issue they had to work on. He said that for a couple of years. Have those things improved with Rojo or not? I think it's a huge game Saturday to figure that out. I agree. And, and I, I believe that that Ronald Jones will end up being the starting running back sooner rather than later for this mm-hmm. team. He's, he's the more talented runner. It seems to me that – with Rojo, he's he's just been very workmanlike with mm-hmm. his with his approach, with his demeanor in training camp. And I think with the last two years, he's really had that same demeanor. So I would expect him to be at or near or over a thousand yards again this season as long as he stays healthy. 
I, I, I when I look at it at Rojo, it just he looks he looks professional out there. And I'm he not does. saying I'm not saying that Leonard Fournette doesn't, but there's a little bit of laissez-faire about Leonard Fournette. A little bit of I'm playoff Lenny, I'm Lombardi Lenny. And and, and I don't mean that in, in a negative or derogatory way. It's just that that I don't see the attention to details from Leonard Fournette on a consistent basis. Uh, and listen, I'm not a coach. I'm not around these guys near as much. We have a, a yeah. window of time during the season for practices in training camp. Like you're trying to watch what 90 guys with with a pair of eyes. So I've not studied Leonard Fournette. It just you get that that impression, right? It's not a first impression, but you get that impression just watching someone's demeanor. And listen, that's why scouts. When they go to these college football games, they spend time looking at how they warm up, uh, what they do in pregame warmups, mm-hmm. who they talk to, how seriously are they taking the warmups? That's Rojo, a big thing. Rojo runs so hard, like he just yes. runs every Sense time he gets the ball like a crazy person, you know. Yeah. And you hope that you know the fumbles don't come with it. And again, that part of it we've never questioned. He's Definitely right. the more talented back between he and Leonard Fournette. It's the question of consistency and not making yeah. mistakes. That's what he's I, I got, got a answer. theory about Rojo, right? Rojo at, at USC, you saw the college film, so did I. I he's loved a, the college film, by yes. the way. <laughs> I was he's, very high on him. He's a breakaway runner. He runs to daylight. The problem is in the NFL, with without the wide side of the field where the where the hashes are, there's no daylight. There's very little daylight, right? I mean, you don't get those 80-yard runs. Right. with the regularity that you do in college football, you know, and it's like, you know, you're, you're playing, you know, you're not playing Oregon state, you know, every week you're playing top notch NFL caliber players and teams and defenses. So I think that Rojo runs hard and, and really accelerates hits the whole hard because that's the only way you're going to have any crack at daylight. That's the only way you're going to rip off a big run, big runs in the NFL. Don't come from tippy toeing into the hole being patient and waiting, you can pick up first downs like that, right? I mean, Le'Veon Bell was a very patient runner, mm-hmm. kind of had that running style. But more often than not, if you want touchdowns, if you want long runs, big plays, you got to hit the hole hard, shake off some tackles, get to the second level as fast as you can, try to make somebody miss, try to break another tackle, get to the third level as fast as you can. That's mm-hmm. That's the name of the game in the NFL. Right. Absolutely true. Good question from Harvinder here. I don't want to detour too long, but he, there's a usually a player who nobody saw having a great year. Who might that be for the Bucks this year? We will talk a little bit more about this as we get through the final cuts, look at the final roster, and then uh, start looking ahead to week one of the season. We'll go through some of these kind of superlative type questions. But just now, off the top of your head, I mean, as Harvinder asked, you know, who, who might that be for the Bucks that could have a great year that nobody really saw coming? Uh, you know, I don't know who people see coming or not. I don't want right. to, you know, jump, jump to any glitch because everybody has, you know, be like, oh, everybody expects that person. But I mean, I think Sean Murphy Bunting has had that ability. Like, it's about putting it together. But like, if you look at what he did in the playoffs last year, um, it was it was a sign that some things had clicked in. We know he battled injuries. Um, I'm a little bit hesitant to say that he'll be that caliber of player right. that we saw in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, in in the practice, he's been much better clearly i don't think there's any question he's been much better this summer i mean we have not seen sean murphy bunting really torched up in any part of practice now they don't do a lot of one-on-ones wide receivers dbs but in the team sessions even when he's given up a catch he's been right there he can test you know he's not been completely out of position or anything like that like last year we saw happen so often 
I worry about him because I don't think he's a natural slot corner, and they put him in that situation obviously a lot. Um, I wonder what would happen if he were just an outside corner, but he's one, he's a guy that I think could have a breakout year that would sneak up on some people. Yeah. Injuries really kind of derailed him last year Mm -hmm. and, and hampered him a little bit and caused him to get beat. I think that affected his confidence. So it was a little bit, a little bit of a domino effect, right? With the injuries hit, then your confidence goes down then you're just not playing well. And they need to play more press man for him too. I think. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. The closer he is to the guy. Yeah, you know the the better, and we saw that in New Orleans, John, when he played in the slot, picked off that pass that was intended for Michael Thomas, and almost scored a touchdown on it. So I, mm-hmm. I think that yes, the closer he is to his his the guy he's defending, the better. I would right. say, I you know, the, the the there's in my opinion there's a separation between Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean. I think Jamel Dean has had an okay camp. I'm not knocking Jamel Dean. But it seems to me that Carlton Davis, clear number one. Sean mm-hmm. Murphy Bunting, clear number two. Clear number two, and, yeah. And Jamel Dean, clear number three. Mm-hmm. And, right. and uh, you'd love to see, because back in the day, you had Rondé Barber and Brian Kelly and either Donnie Abraham or Rondé Barber, Brian Kelly, and Dwight Smith. There was a time when those three guys were kind of – I mean, Rondé was the alpha, but those, mm-hmm. those three guys were kind of close, closer. And I think you'd like to see this year – uh, a little bit, a little bit more of a, of a closer type of, of uh, feeling from those guys that that there's not much difference between Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting, and there's not much difference between Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully that's the case because the only thing that's going to create that is is time and experience, and I, I think that's that's the beauty of having these three guys play together for three years now is is they have that that chemistry and the ability to kind of congeal as, as a unit. And, and mm-hmm. I'd like to see the growth continue. I think it will. Yeah, that, that's going to be huge for the secondary. And that brings me to kind of one of the other things I wanted to touch on. And I want really your thoughts on too here. But to me, the one battle we've talked about a lot is Leonard Rojo, but I don't know if that one's even going to matter. We've talked a little bit more recently about Capistini. I think it's still Kappa's to lose. I'd still be surprised if Kappa's not the week one starter, and we'll see kind of how things play out in that last preseason game. Something to watch for sure. But what about Mike Edwards and Jordan Whitehead? Like, if Mike Edwards starts on Saturday and plays great, and Jordan Whitehead misses another game, at what point – I mean, Jordan Whitehead has played his best football over the past year, you know? Yes. So you don't want to take anything away from him. Right. But Mike Edwards has had a great camp and he was probably looked like one of their best players in the first preseason game. I just, yeah, how do you come off the field? Yeah. What are you, what are you going to do? Like it's hard. Mike, Mike Edwards has, has been the best safety in camp. It doesn't mean he's the best safety on the team, but in terms of making plays, he's had the best camp and that includes Antoine Winfield Jr. As well. It's just that Antoine Winfield is a hell of a safety. He's going to mm-hmm. start. He's uh, looked Jordan. really good the last week too because he's yeah. jumped a bunch of routes. Yeah, yeah. So and, and I, I think you're talking about a guy with Pro Bowl potential there. And uh, again, not knocking Whitehead. The problem is, is for guys like Jordan Whitehead and guys like Scotty Miller. There, you know, you've got some replacements already on deck, right? Jalen Darden eventually for Scotty Miller, Mike Edwards for Jordan Whitehead. And you're going to have to start prioritizing because you, you whipped out the credit card now. You're paying cash before, but now your salary cap, you've whipped out the credit card to keep this team together, to extend Brady and bring back Gronk for a year and franchise Chris Godwin. So the, the problem is you're going to have to you know, pay Godwin a king's ransom after the franchise tag comes up, 
you got to make a decision on OJ Howard and, and, and Rob Gronkowski too. Mm-hmm. Maybe one or both those guys don't come back, but right. you're going to have Carlton Davis on deck. You, you've got uh, Devin White coming up. You got Vita Vea on deck. You got a lot of guys that are big time starting caliber players. And I'm not saying Jordan Whitehead is, is not uh, a very good starter, but if you're asking me, where does he rank on the, the totem pole after those guys, he's, he's down the list especially when you have a guy like Mike Edwards that can fill in as a starter and I think play yeah. just as, as good in some areas, maybe maybe not as good in run support, but maybe better as, as a ball-hawking safety. It makes me wish that the Bucs were more willing to try Antoine Winfield in the slot. I would be more dogmatic about this, Scott, if I knew Winfield could ball in the slot, like if we'd seen evidence of this. We have not really seen. You mean as a slot corner, right? I mean as a slot corner, basically. Yeah. Yes. So having Chalmers be bunting outside, bringing Antoine Winfield down as the as the nickel yes. slot corner, right? Yes. And don't and Jamel Dean would be off the field. He'd be your backup outside corner, and you'd right. put Chalmers be bunting. You avoid putting him in situations where he's not been as good. But at the same time, I don't know if Antoine Winfield can do that. I don't. I just don't know. I know in college he did it occasionally and was good at it, but that's a total. I mean, slot in college is like. You're always getting the worst receiver. Like, I don't yeah. know who's out there. Slot in the NFL, you see a number one after that. I mean, you're going to put Julio Jones going in the slot. Mike Evans is going in the slot these days. Right. Godwin, like, you know, you think about the guys that are playing there. So it's just a totally different world. Right. Um, and, and I don't know like, whether you can play you know that. I, I think that's why they like Sean Murphy Bunting at six feet tall in the slot to go up against sure. his bigger bigger uh receivers right. and that might be the case and maybe winfield i mean he's he's built but obviously he's not the biggest safety so maybe that's why he isn't there i would just like to see it because at least in certain games right where you know that a team is yeah. they're going to play their tight end in the slot okay can winfield hang with somebody like that you know what i mean athletically athletically can he just dominate that type of a matchup right i wonder about those things because if they could and if mike edwards could play in free safety and you could keep jordan whitehead on the field it would be having, in my opinion, your best, your most talented players on the field. Whether they be great in those roles or not remains to be seen. Yeah. I'd just be curious about it. But it is hard for me to – I mean, Mike Mike Edwards played 188 snaps last year. Tampa Buck really disagreeing with you on this take. But uh, but David has a question. I want to get your Which thoughts part on this. of the take? I didn't <laughs> – he's, he's just – he says that when Whitfield's too small. Yeah. Oh, too small. Yeah, I mean, he might be, but yeah. I would just like to see him not succeed in that role rather than write him off before we – yeah. even try it there plus it wouldn't just be him in coverage it would also be the blitz ability that you bring from the slot and he would can add do that other dimension because they sacks, don't blitz the, the slot fumble. a whole lot right so yeah. off the edge and they can walk him down in the box and blitz sure but there's another dimension when you can blitz from the slot too so right. it add an element to the rush packages david says i remember the only knock on edwards before last year was his tackling is that any better yes he improved it a lot last year it was only 188 snaps last year compared to like 652 or something the year before. Right. So you have to keep the sample size in mind. But Mike Edwards tackled very well last year. I think he only missed like two tackles really, and they weren't bad misses by any stretch of the imagination. Um, what's crazy about Edwards is that in 188 snaps, not all of which were even passes, I forget how many were even passes, yeah. but he intercepted three passes. He Two of them counted. One was taken back because Shaq Barrett was barely offside, I think. Right. Maybe it was a bad call. I don't even remember. And that then he broke the up five game? passes. <laughs> the, the Raiders, Raiders game. game, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then he broke up five passes. I mean, that's Winfield broke up yeah. six all year, and he played every defensive snap, right. like over a 1,000 snaps. And so that's it what just, you call being an impactful player, John. It's, it's hard to write that off, Scott. Ball production, especially the way Mike Edwards got it. Then he adds another pick and three more pass breakups. 
in the playoffs. In yes. you know, he did play a little bit more in the playoffs, but still, we're talking about a small sample size of snaps. He deflected the ball that Antoine Winfield picked off that basically sealed the Super Bowl in the third quarter. That was right. that was basically a wrap at that point. I mean, he was the guy that made plays all over the field. He finished off the Saints game. Um, I, it's hard to take that off the field, especially when you off, okay. He picked up at, Drew Brees' last NFL pass. Like that's the guy sweet, can man. play, that's, man. That's like sweet. Right. And if he's improved as a tackler, which it looks like he has, he's always been physical. He's always been aggressive. He's gotten I mean, we same thing we see in games with Mike Edwards, we see in practice. He drives on the ball, he anticipates routes, he makes plays. Jordan Whitehead has gotten so much better across the board. He's a great blitzer. He's a great run defender. He's probably yeah. the best tackler on the defense in terms I agree. of consistency. But it's just hard to take ball production off the field. Yeah. It's that important. Well, I mean, you're preaching to the choir, Tampa Buck. The reason we're talking about three safety packages this year, you know, it, it, that's the thing. It's like they're, they're, they're looking at doing some three safety packages. And John's been pining for it since – Really, the beginning of last year, and yes. <laughs> you know, and I think it's, it's coming to fruition. The moment I saw Mike Edwards pick off a pass against the Broncos, it was, and I was oh like, yeah, oh, that was a fantastic interception. This is the guy we're getting right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it needs to be a part of what they do. It was obviously a part of what they did in the Super Bowl. Twelve snaps with three safeties in the field in the Super Bowl, way more than any other game the whole yeah. year. Like maybe more than the whole year combined in terms of number of snaps. And it was, it obviously worked really well. I'm not saying it's the way to go every game, every matchup, obviously, yes. but there will be times where it needs to be a part of what they do. And, and, and I'm excited I think, to see I it. think it will be because, you know, I, I did this, this uh, piece in SRS Fab five about the sacks. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we kind of had this kind of have this idea that the Todd Bowles has been a defensive coordinator for like a decade in the NFL. This is his fifth year as a defensive coordinator. He had two years in Arizona. Then he got hired to be the Jets coach, and he turned those duties over to Casey Rogers, who's the Bucks' defensive line coach. Results weren't that great. Did Todd Bowles have some influence in the defense? Yes. Was he calling the plays? No, he was not. It was, it was Casey Rogers' job. Mm-hmm. But then he comes back to Tampa, and this is year three. So Todd Bowles has only been doing this really for five years at the NFL level. He's still new. He's still learning. He's still opening his mind. And you love so, to see the growth, especially by him doing the right thing and picking up where he left off against the Chiefs with that cover two defense. Uh, we saw that at, at the mm-hmm. from quarters two, three, and four after getting yeah. shellac seventeen nothing in the first Chiefs game week week twelve. Mm-hmm. Then he's picked up right where he left off in the Super Bowl, ran that, it kept him out of the end zone. I mean, that's that's great growth from your defensive coordinator, and that's something you and I were screaming about on this podcast in the least weeding up to the yeah. weeks leading to the Super Bowl. Run, yeah. cover two, stop these guys that way. And he sure did. Of course, you know, he didn't need our help. He mm-hmm. he knew what to do and he did it. Right. Once you start playing two high safeties, uh, especially against a team that was giving up the Bucks were thrown against more in neutral situations than any other team in the league last year. You have this reputation as an elite run stuffing defense two years in a row now. Yeah. Watching people try to run on them when anybody who's going to play for this defense in 2021 has been out there in the preseason has been comical. I mean, what the first five runs for the yeah. Titans the other day? A great rushing team. Oh, yeah. That's with the a bread great and rushing they team. The they were tackled for a loss on all five carries. That O'Connor. Uh, Right. It wasn't until the back, you know, they came Nunez Roches. Right. It's just like all oh, everybody can play the run. It's crazy. Yeah. Kevin Minter, the corners, the corners are yeah. exceptional. You know, it's so yeah, they have they have a culture there. But guess what? 
if you can be thrown against less or give up less in the passing game and be the third best run defense or the fifth best run defense, you're going to be a better defense because everybody's going to attack you that way. And that's the way you don't want to get attacked in the NFL is by having people just throw against you all the time. And that's what's happened to the Bucs at some points last season. So when they said, we know the Chiefs are going to come out and just throw it a million times against us, let's just play too high and give them a light box. And if they want to run it, let them. So that was what won the game. And we'll see if they use three safeties in that regard uh, again this season. Hey, Spotify Green Room is changing the game themselves, Scott. That's a social audio app that's changing the way we talk about sports. There are rooms in there you can jump in if you get the Spotify Green Room app. You can jump in. You can talk about your favorite teams, your favorite sports. A lot going on in the NBA world on there if you're into the NBA like myself, but also the NFL world is expanding fast on there. We've got great Bucks chat go- chats going on in there, and we'll be hosting shows in there throughout the season. So if you want to get invited to those, download the Spotify Green Room app and follow Pewter Report on there, and you'll get invited when we go live on Spotify Green Room. You'll get invited to, uh, to all of our shows. It will be a great time. So make sure you're tuned in there because as the season approaches, we'll be doing more and more with Spotify Green Room. So we're very, very excited about that. All right, Scott, uh, we have talked about some of these matchups that are gonna, we're going to be having our eye on, but I want to float a trade scenario at you. Right. It's that segment. It's that time. So you might have seen, Scott, that Sony Michelle got traded today. Did see from, that, yes. I don't know how this is possible, but he got traded from the Patriots despite being on their roster bubble. I don't think it was super optimistic that he was going to make that team and – he gets traded and the Rams give up a fourth round pick for him. Technically it's if they get a comp pick, they which, but they're supposed to get a comp yeah. pick right now. So if they get a comp pick, it, it, what is fifth and sixth right now will become a fourth round comp pick. So it's obviously at the end of the fourth round, but this brings me to my question for you. If you had asked me 24 hours ago, will Sony Michelle get traded for a fourth round pick this offseason? I would have died laughing. Sony Michelle has not right. done very much at yeah. all in its recent NFL career. He looks athletically zapped uh, from the time he really entered the league. There were the knee concerns coming out. There were knee concerns right away in New England. He is a smart runner. He has great vision. He is tough, but he does not break tackles and he is not an accelerator. So right. and he doesn't offer you much in the passing game. You are talking about a guy who probably wasn't going to make it or be fact a factor for New England gets traded for a fourth. So I say all this to say to you, Scott, if you told me that, I would have laughed. If you told me Leonard Fournette would get traded for a fourth round pick, I would have laughed. Now I am reevaluating my entire life because someone was dumb enough. I know it's a late fourth, but that's where the yep. Bucks are going to be picking probably in the fourth round. And so. Is this possible, Scott, if a team – I know we don't think the Bucs are going to trade people. They value right. the depth. We've said that over and over again. But a fourth-round pick – I mean, a fourth-round pick got you Gronk. A fourth-round pick gave you the ability to jump up and get Tristan Wirth. Yeah. That's nothing to, like, sneeze at here. Like, right. if you got offered that for Leonard Fournette, let's say he goes off against the – and plays great against the Texans. I don't know how long he'll play. Right. Obviously, the Texans are a joke. But if he does, like, in their right, interest so – Wait, so you're talking about Leonard Fournette. So you're you're – you're anticipating that Ronald Jones is the starting running back. Is that what you're, you're anticipating? Uh, I, don't, I don't. I'm not anticipating that it'll even matter who's a starter. But let's say like we get a couple weeks into the season and Rojo's looking great and he's playing well and obviously Giovanni Bernard's doing his thing. Everybody knows and Keyshawn Vaughn's. You know Bruce says he 
cause all the faith in the world in Keyshawn Javon. Well, maybe put your money where your mouth is. And, right. you know, you can, Leonard Fournette's like yeah. your third best running back. They just think at the, in week three, they're thinking he might be your third best guy. I mean, it's not crazy. He was yeah. a healthy scratch like in week 14 last year. So, I mean, it's not like that would be that big of a deviation from where they were at not that long ago. But if it happens and you know you can get a fourth form out there, another team's had an injury. How many injuries of running backs do we see early in the season constantly? Yeah. And you I, can get I, a fourth don't for think Leonard. It's don't think it's going to happen. Not okay, this but, year. But do you? But would I? Yes, would I would. You? Yes, I would. But I'm not Jason Light. Jason Light's not going to do it. For a fourth, though, Scott. Nope. We're not talking nope. about a fifth or a sixth. Nope, not this year. Not this year. Because they needed Lenny You're probably when Ronald right. Jones couldn't go. That's why. You're probably right. You're probably right that it won't happen. And I'd rather have Lenny run the ball than Keyshawn Vaughn. Too many unknowns. I've not seen enough good things from him yet. Me too. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, here's what I want to see. I would like to see, because they're not going to run the ball during the season. We know that. And when they do, it's not going to be pretty. I would like to see them really run the ball and commit to it. And half of the snaps that they end up having in the first half, if it's 30, 40 snaps, whatever it is, 25, however many snaps they have, I want to see them run the ball at least 50 to 60% of the time. And really commit to it with the starters, with the tight ends, because I think you you got to evaluate: Can OJ Howard run block, or is he still worried about the Achilles? Can the running backs bang it in there, create some yards? That's that's the one thing that I think has been neglected in training camp. Now they did get some work against the Titans, but still, even in the joint practices, you're not getting tackled to the ground. It's mm-hmm. it's not the same as it is during the games. So in my opinion, I would like to see them run the ball a lot because they're not going to during the season. But they're going to need to at some points in time. You're going to have to pick up third and twos because third and two, John, is a rundown. And you're going to have to to salt away the game sometimes when you have a lead. and You need that running game to keep the clock moving, to keep the chains moving, and get timeouts burned. So it's still going to be an important part of the game. It's just not going to be the focal point of this offense. But I'd like to see them have some confidence in doing it because right now, 1.7 yards per carry, 1.2 yards per carry in the last two games, and I know the starters haven't been in there. But still, when when Byron Leftwich calls a run play, neither he nor the running back nor the offensive line is thinking 1.7 yards or 1.2 yards. That's not supposed to happen. It's supposed to be three or four yards or more, and it's not happened. So I'd like to see it happen with the starters. Oh, it's been pitiful for sure. No question about that. The, we've talked about the schematic things that need to change. We also you also need the guys to block better for sure, but there's just an all lot of space. So, I mean, I think that the whole conversation – again, there's Geo here now, and there's Rojo who, you know, if he, if he's playing – again, the conversation starts with Rojo's playing really well, the soap in the season. Yeah. And Vaughn is grown, you know, even though he'd still be the RB3. And you have a team that, like, is going to run the ball near the bottom of the league, like, in terms of volume of carries. Like, they're not going to be yeah. one of the top rushing team leagues. So there isn't as much onus on this maybe right. as, as other teams would be if something were to happen. I still, I mean, I, I see your point. I see, well, I guess what you're saying is Jason Light's point, that the depth really matters this year for sure. But, man, a fourth for Leonard. Now, I will say this, too. I don't – the Rams' care carelessness when it comes to draft picks – might just be their own. Like, I don't know that you'd have a bunch of teams lining up. I don't yeah. know if you'd have any other teams lining up to give a fourth. For yeah, I could see that. There are some dumb teams. But, I mean, that was a really idiotic trade by the Rams. Like, that was sure. desperation 
at a position that just doesn't move the needle that much for a guy that has not moved the needle at all since he got in the league. Yeah, I, I would really say move. if I had a better feel for Keyshawn Vaughn, then I would feel more comfortable doing that. Now, Bucks time 12 says trade OJ. Now, that's the thing. If if the Bucks get a enough of a look at OJ in training camp and in the preseason games and feel like they're not going to re-sign him at the end of this year, and the Cam Braid is going to be tight end too, then maybe you keep Tanner Hudson and you go four tight ends and you keep OJ around for a little bit. Then when a, a tight end needy team needs him, then you go ahead and pull the trigger because you might not be able to afford OJ, or maybe you will because he's not going to be productive. That, but, see, to me, there's but, no you're never going to get the payoff of what he could be if he hits for your team. Also, like if he let's say he just Gronk gets hurt, happened many times before, and OJ has like a seven six hundred yard season, replicates yeah. what Gronk did last year. The NFL is starved at the tight end position. It is. He yeah. could I, make I, it. I don't necessarily agree with Matt, 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 Matt. I, I think that he does have some value. It's not very much right, right now, now, though, coming off a torn Achilles. It, it's not much. Season. But I think you could trade him given his draft status, given the tape he's put out there when healthy. One year of control on that contract if you're the team. Now, you might be able to think, thinking if you acquire him, you can get him back pretty easy because right. he probably doesn't go off. But yeah. I just think if he goes off, and he has it gets a good contract, and you don't want to bring him back because you're bringing back Gronk and you got Braid around. Right. Uh, you could get a nice comp pick. Like you probably could get a better comp pick than you could. Probably you know, could. So it, it, there's yeah, layers probably. to it. He's a tricky one. It's not going to happen, but I don't think he's going to get traded at yeah. all. But all right, see, here's the problem, but Michael. We we've seen this too. Flash Gordon, you know, go ahead and put him on IR. You can't do that because he's still going to be a free agent at the end of the year, whether he's on IR or not. And and the the problem is, is they've OJ, given him an. A, <laughs> that's the problem. He's that? maybe in his. I said he's healthy. He doesn't yeah, belong. Yeah, on he's, he's he's healthy. But but the thing is 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 uh, well, let's say he were to to get injured or whatever. At some point in time, you you've got to punt on a guy if he can't stay healthy, and that's been a problem with his. It's not his fault. Injuries aren't his fault. But right, you just yeah, you have to move you know, on after. You can't the season, help the, right? the club in the tub. Right. I mean, logically, you can't IR him right now because if you had to IR him right now, you keep season would be over. Yeah. So you don't want that if the guy's right. not actually hurt. So right. he just needs to keep playing and check off the rust and we'll see what the ceiling is for him this season. You know, I, obviously right now, expectations are probably lower than they were going into last year where everybody was raving about him and he started off really well. To oh, his credit. he had a great <laughs> start. Great training camp. I mean, the arrow was yeah. pointing up right now. You can just see that that he's not mm, not right. Not, in, not the same. In right. terms of, of the, the mental part of the game. Right. There's a lot of layers to it. There really is. And we've seen so many tight ends. It seems like especially like Evan Ingram was another guy incredibly talented. Yes. It just seems like the mistakes pile up. And Jared Cook early in his career. I've said OJ Howard could have like a Jared Cook like yeah. late career, you know, just kind of resurgence. Off. Yeah. Because right. yeah. <laughs> Jared Cook for years was so frustrating. Couldn't block yeah. anybody and drop the ball all the time and got beat up and then yeah, we're, uh, we're not hating on OJ. It's, <laughs> Why do we get these questions? We, we're not hating on him. We're, we're, who is we're, hating? We're, we're just we're simply stating, you know, calling like we see it. I mean, an elite weapon. I don't know yeah. if he'll be an elite weapon, Lobello. I don't think it's hating to say he might not be elite. I yeah. mean, there are probably four tight ends in the league I would call elite. Right, three maybe. Like that. Just I don't think that that's hating. If that 
yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. <laughs> Always get accused of hating. Oh my gosh, John Hate Yard. Hate Yard. That's, right. that's your new name. All right, so we've talked about some of the things we need to see from the Bucks offense, but quietly, Scott, I think that Bucks defensively are the more, to me, in some ways, the more interesting. Bucks don't do well offensively. I think it's going to come down to like things they did to themselves. Like yes. I think it's that's where it's going. I mean, I've looked at the Texans. I mean, just do me a favor, Scott. Just pull up the Texans depth chart. Well, I got All right. Here. Like, just pull it up and take a look at the guys on this depth chart. Do I have to? It's I heard it's you scary. Yeah, you have to. Uh, and it's not even that every position is horrible, right. but there is not a player on the Texans except for Laramie Tunsil, who's on the COVID list right now. Right. And probably will not play Saturday. Yep. That would start. For the Bucks, All there's right. not a player on that. Tyrod Taylor, Philip Lindsay, Brandon Cooks, Chris Connolly, Kiki Kuti, Jordan Akins, Paul Quisenberry, Max Sharping. I like Max coming out of Northern Illinois. He's okay. Uh, Justin Solid. Justin Britt, Justin McRae, and Titus Howard. That's the offense. Yeah. Defensively, Whitney Merciless isn't What's he like 40 the- years old? <laughs> he's old right? and he's a lot of injuries. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Malik Collins, Vincent Taylor, Yikes. Jordan Jenkins, Zach Cunningham, Christian Kirksey, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Bradley Roby, who's suspended, Eric Murray, Justin Reed, Terrence Mitchell. Their You're best right. defensive player is Justin Reed, and he yeah. wouldn't play over Winfield. And Correct. I mean, Zach Cunningham got the big contract, and he yeah. missed more tackles than anybody in the league last year. Which yeah, is there's hard to no, there's watch. nobody uh, outside of, of like you made the case for Tunsil that is that has got That's the it. talent of any Buccaneer starter on this team. You're correct. That's it. I mean, yeah. it, so Saturday needs to be biblical. Like yeah. Saturday needs to <laughs> be needs like to be Old like Testament Detroit style. Lions, right? Old Testament, exactly. Yeah. Like Detroit Lions, forty-seven to seven. You know, beat down. That's yeah. that's what needs to happen. Yes. And it, it is about the scoreboard, I guess, but like more than anything, they need to like come out of the first half being like, wow, like right. they just put a hurt. It should on. be like 24 nothing at, yeah. at, at the end of the first half. It yes. should, it should be, it should be, yeah, overwhelming on the field and, you know, overwhelming on the scoreboard. You should come out of that knowing, hey, we didn't beat ourselves. And when we don't beat ourselves, we're up 24 nothing at the half on a team that's the worst team in the league. Like, yeah, it's not about like, oh, now that we beat the Texans, we know we'll be Super Bowl bound or we're that kind of team. They should already know that, but it should be right. like, we're ready for week one. Like, yes, we yeah. can we can thump the worst. We're ready for week one. Now, if you yes. go out here, think about the first drive of the game. Antonio Brown dropped pass. They blow the protection. You give up the sack. Sure. Okay, self-inflicted stuff, like whatever, but it, it's stuff that can be fixed. Then you come out in the second game, and you got the drop third down pass to O.J. Howard that goes like he bobbles it off his helmet. And he Which one? It. There was like two of them. The first drive with okay. Lane. And All then right. you come back the second drive, and he's got the dig to, or the – the like in breaking route to Darden that he yeah. drops like low pass, but he drops off his off his chest, and that kills that drive. Then you come back on the next drive, and you got the seam shot to Howard that would have put you probably in field goal range, right. very close to it, and that's dropped. So you got those are the first three drives of the second game, and then you have the first drive, you know, where you're out there with the starters in the first game that they drop they drop a huge pass, AB drops that never happens, and then Blaine came down in that game and, and scored on their next drive. So. Yes. Honestly, everything with the first and second team offense has basically been self-inflicted. Like, no doubt, it's been stuff they've done to themselves. You yeah, got to eliminate I feel, that going into. I feel one. bad for Blaine Gabbard because God, I mean, he's he's still the, the Bucks' le- leading quarterback in terms of quarterback rating in the preseason. 
I'd like for that to change. I'd like for Tom to overtake him. Let's 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 hope that happens. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, Blaine, I mean, he could be looking at a QBR number like in the hundreds. I'm if, not even uh, gonna entertain you. I'm just saying. I mean, catch <laughs> you know, the ball. He been, he's been great. I mean, I put catch him in the, the winners. Ball. I put him yeah. in the most impressive. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he was great. And yeah, so we that's what has to happen on offense. I digress there, but defensively, Scott, this team. Let's talk obviously. Defense, yeah, like this is. I kind of think like they played really well in the preseason on defense, like especially guys who will actually yes. be on the roster. Like yeah. they really have played well. Like there hasn't been any, they haven't given up. They've the guys who will be on this roster. The first and second team defense right. have not given up any pass plays of 20 yards or more in the air. I would say if, if there's been one disappointing aspect, it's really been the lack of sacks. I think that's probably been the biggest thing. There was even that was a little bit better last week. Right? It was Kyan, a little bit better. Yes. Shoyinka got one and yep. O'Connor got one. Right. And uh, the what's his Grant Khalil Stewart. Davis got one for Grant Stewart. And yeah, so, <laughs> yeah that's true. So, yeah, yeah that, I mean, there was a couple of those, too. So but the hard thing is the Bengals threw the ball in like one second. So you that's true. Yeah, they, they've got a short yeah. rhythmic passing, very much like the Rams. I mean, that's Tyrod Taylor their, will not play that way. That's he correct. He will hold the ball and he'll try to run around. And I'd like to see this game look like the Super Bowl where Tyrod Taylor is is uh, imitating a very bad Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. and because uh, you can't imitate a very good Patrick Mahomes. There's only one of those. He plays for right. the Chiefs. But I would like to see the pass rush really come to life. And I wrote about this in the Peter Report Roundtable, John. I want to see Shaq Barrett kind of go off because he's had a quiet camp. Great point. And, and that's not necessarily his fault. He has been primarily playing left outside linebacker, mm-hmm. going up against Tristan Wirfs. So it's you don't want to see Shaq Barrett get off on Tristan Wirfs because Tristan Wirfs is the guy protecting Tom Brady's front side. Right. So when when they do good on good, which is a lot, uh, you know he he really is is holding Barrett at bay, and that's oh, that's yeah. a good thing because those are two Pro Bowl caliber players going at it. Now what I want to see is is when that you know when when he goes up against. Uh, Tyus Howard. I want to see Barrett school Howard and, and really get to the quarterback and, and kind of pick up where he left off from the Super Bowl. And I think that I think that's going to happen. I think that that Barrett's going to be going because the guys we talked about, Jason Pierre-Paul, who has had a fantastic training camp with the with the knee surgery, moving around a lot better. You can see the playing with more confidence, a little bit more agile and quick. Joe Tryon has been as good as advertised. We're not blowing smoke. I think the fans have seen it. We see it every day in practice. Joe Tryon is going to be a star in this league. He is only going to get better. And, man, he has got Larry Foote coaching him. He is learning from Shaq Barrett and Jason mm-hmm. Pierre-Paul. They have got to find in this guy. Yeah, but, for sure. But Tryon and JPP have had the headlines. I want to see Shaq Barrett and that $17 million guy really kind of assert himself, and mm-hmm. I think he's going to. Yeah, I agree with you. Those are all good names to watch defensively. I just I want to see Devin White continue to evolve and grow. No question there. It's now about coverage. You know, can that continue to happen? I think in pra- in practice it's been so much better. He's looked so good in that regard that I'm just kind of excited to see him in the game. Got suckered in by a fake in the first preseason game and kind of gave up a little bit of a bubble. But that's not really a coverage thing. It's more of a read thing. Uh, so I, I want to see that part of his game continue. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but but the Buccaneers whether it's defensive ends or outside linebackers in their history have always had problems with bootlegs, always getting sucked in down the line. And it's like, I got it. I remember coaching my, my guys at pop Warner. And I said, if you just stay home, 
it's the easiest sack you'll get because the mm. quarterback will literally turn his back with the play action and run right into you. Yeah. And I just don't understand at the NFL level why that happens mm. so much. And it's not just the Bucks, but it's always been the Bucks for some reason. It's so maddening as a guy who loves defensive line like I do that you see these guys get sucked right down the line of scrimmage. Mm. You know, when you've got another guy in the gap, it's not like there's going to be a huge hole if, if you just park it right there and read the quarterback and, and and keep your contain. But you always see that the guy goes right down the line and the yeah. quarterback is wide open for a boot run or boot pass. It's just maddening. Absolutely. You know what isn't maddening, Scott? Tell me, You John. know what isn't maddening? Our friends over at Living Golf Life. They're That's the true. best of the best. They're great guys. Check out livinggolflife.com to see all the accessories that they've kind of created for golfers out there. Some really fun, really good stuff. Their polos are awesome. Their hats are absolutely killer. If I do say so myself, I think they're awesome. Uh, they've got koozies. They've got glasses. They've got all kinds of stuff over at livinggolflife.com. Great designs great people. They've started this company because they really believe golfing should just be a lifestyle. You know, the yeah. way that guys hang out on the course and have a couple beers and things like that. Uh, that's what they're all about. They're not about necessarily dominating at golf. They're about the lifestyle that is golf. And they've created a bunch of accessories and an awesome right. website to kind of exemplify that. So check out livinggolflife.com. See what these guys have created. Get some gifts. Ask for some gifts for yourself. Get some gifts for yourself and give some gifts to other people as well. What I like about about the, their look and kind of the, the the brand they're going for is they're promoting golf, right? It's like yeah. so so much stuff when you go, you know. And I, I'm I'm a an amateur, uh, average golfer. I don't golf nearly as often as, as I want to or should. But it's Callaway, Titleist, Nike. It's all brand stuff, and you're mm -hmm. promoting brands, and I get that. But it's like Golf Life promotes golf. They have right. golf in their right. name. And so I think that's the cool thing about it is, is they, you know, they're talking about what they're promoting and they're promoting what they're talking about. Golf life. It's that simple. Right. It really is. You know what else is simple, Scott? Well, it's not that simple to pull off, but it's going to look simple to everybody else, maybe in terms of the way we execute it. But Pewter Game Day is coming that's this right. Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. When the box play the Texans and the starters play what Bruce Aarons has said will be the first half. Pewter Report will be live, a live in-game stream, an in-game commentary and analysis on the game from myself, other Pewter Reporters, and other special guests as well. We'll have expert analysis, injury updates for you on each play as it happens. Report.com, it'll, it'll be through our YouTube channel, but we ask that you go over to pewterreport.com, watch it there if you can. Obviously, if you're not subscribed to the Pewter Report YouTube channel, please do that. Hit that bell for notifications when we go live. But if you can, watch Saturday's broadcast live on pewterreport.com while you're watching the game. We would love it, man. Uh, and we'll obviously have the Pewter Report postgame podcast one hour later after following the end of the game, as we always do. And that will be a good time, as it always is on the show. But, yeah, we're going to have live in-game commentary and analysis, something we're hoping to do more of throughout the season. And so we appreciate you all's support on this, obviously. But it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a yeah. lot of thoughts on it. I know one common question I do want to address is, will we be kind of ahead of what you're watching? I don't think so. More than likely, if you have cable, you'll probably be a little bit ahead of us. So you'll hear the commentary a little bit after the play. So it might line up kind of perfectly for you. If not, you know, I'll be watching probably on like YouTube TV. And so you'll, I'll probably be behind you based on what I've typically seen. On we're talking about stuff. like a second or two. We're not, yes, it's, yes. it's not going to be annoying. Right. We won't be ruining what's about to happen for you. Let's right. put it that way. I don't think that'll be happening. So 
that's one part that's good about it. But also we're going to be learning as we kind of do this a little bit uh, as to what this process is like. So we definitely ask for your grace during that process uh, yeah. a little bit. Uh, but now, yeah, it's going to be a fun I, time. I was on with I was on with, with Mavatera yesterday, and he had a great kind of analogy because the thing is, is you got to watch the game at home or on your phone or your computer or at a sports bar, whatever. And then you can also watch us provide that commentary. And we can say, oh, yeah, yeah, this is something they ran in training camp. We've seen this. You know, we can provide some 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 depth and analysis to what you're you're watching because let's face it as as good as the broadcast guys are they pop in town they talk to the coaches the players for an hour yeah. and they watch some film and that's it we're dialed into what the bucks are doing so i think it's going to be fun mamatera said if you like our draft show right because we're, we're watching the draft with you guys but we're commenting on all the picks we're speculating or on who might be taken next who the bucks are looking at it's the same type of thing it's it's like the draft show version of game day. That's why we call it's, it Peter yeah. Game Day. All Bucks focused. Then. That's right. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, so and it's going to be a lot of fun. We appreciate you guys helping us get over five thousand. Now we're on to ten thousand, and it starts with you guys out there. Mm -hmm. If you haven't subscribed to our Peter Report TV YouTube channel yet, please do so. It takes a second. It's free. It's easy. Click subscribe, and like John said, once you do that, click on notifications. Sometimes we do some nighttime podcasts, depending on schedules and guests, etc. Uh, and because the the post game podcast typically starts forty five minutes to an hour after the game, we typically start that right after the coach and the player press conferences end. So because that doesn't have a start set time, you want to, uh, or I should say, a set start time. You want to hit notifications because you'll get that notification when we go live. Absolutely. It's going to be good stuff. We'll be back tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern. We're excited about that show. Got some guests coming in for you guys, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Uh, it should be a good show uh, tomorrow on the Pewter Report podcast, 4 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, like I said, after that live in-game stream that we've got running on Saturday, we'll have the post-game podcast, as we always do, breaking everything down as the Bucks wrap up the preseason. We'll have our final thoughts on what we think the roster is going to look like before we find out on Sunday and Monday what that final 53-man group will be for the, for the Bucks this season. So until then, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. <laughs>